if you're an account executive, you've probably had to do a ton of self-sourcing this year. And that's really the trend and future that we see in the role right now is, hey, account executives turning back into a full cycle sales role where you're having to do some selling and self-source pipeline. And that's what today's episode is all about. Before we get to that, you're listening to Outbound Squad. Thanks for tuning in. I'm on a mission to help you turn complete strangers into paying customers. So if you're an account executive doing some outbound, discovery, demos, multi-threading, that sort of thing, you're definitely in the right place. And if you're an SDR or BDR, hoping to become an account executive one day and doing a lot of prospecting, you're definitely in the right place as well. So if you became an AE anytime after 2010, this is arguably the toughest year you've probably had in sales. And the reason for that is that we were on a 10 or 11 year bull market run in the US where the economy was awesome. It dipped a little bit right during COVID and then it was really good in 2021 for most of you. And right now, most account executives are having to self-source 30, 40, 50% plus of their pipeline. So what you're about to listen to, it's a replay of a webinar I did with Terry Hussain. He's VP of Technical Engagement at Orem. And dude's been doing this for over a decade. And one of the things that are really big about at Orem is self-sourcing. So we get into what the daily and weekly look uh, workflow, excuse me, should work, look like to crush your sales targets as an account executive. We talk about how to prioritize and select accounts, how to commit, how they dial, how much time they spend prospecting. We talk about things as an organization and as a sales leader that you can do. So SDR AE partnership, how to create a culture of outbound. There's all kinds of stuff that we talk about. So I think you're really going to enjoy this one. And before we get to the episode, if you could do me a quick favor, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave the show a quick rating or review. It really helps us get more people exactly like you so we can continue growing the show and putting this content in front of more folks like you. So without further ado, let's get to the episode. So um, a couple things for today. So the topic is going to be around self-sourcing. So the reason why we picked this topic is what we're seeing a trend of is a couple things. There tends to be less inbound coming in, especially right now. And AEs can't rely as much on SDR and marketing support. A lot of organizations, it kind of depends. I actually have a poll on it out today, which is giving me the opposite of what I would expect. Uh, companies, a lot of them are hiring fewer SDRs and more account executives. So that ratio of SDR to AEs is actually decreasing. So they're getting less SDR support. So what we want to give you today is if you're a rep, some really good tactics on how to self-source more pipeline. The typical ORM account executive self-source is three to six meetings a week. So three to six meetings a week. The other thing that we want to give you and the reason why we have Terry on is he's got a really great perspective as a leader and in sales ops, what we can do as an organization to make it uh, more simple, more straightforward, that sort of thing for AEs to self-source. So uh, Terry, great to have you on the show, man. Yeah, happy to be here. Super excited about this topic. So let's uh, let's dig in. And before we do, a um, couple quick things. So if questions come up, feel free. There's a Q&A button here in the bottom of Zoom. That'll get it out of the chat so that we can see it and answer the question for you. So we definitely want to answer questions. If you have them come up, use the Q&A. And um, 
we'll just kind of get started here. We're going to kind of focus on three different areas. One's going to be around stuff specific for reps, stuff uh, specific, excuse me, for the organization. And then we're going to dig into a little bit of tech stack elements. But could you let us know in the chat, are you a rep? Are you a sales leader? Are you in enablement, ops? Let us know. What are you? What's your position? Lots of AEs, got some BDRs. Yeah. Got full cycle. There you go. Some sales leaders. Cool. All right. So let's kind of dig in. Um, I thought what would be might be kind of interesting to open this is you were in the founding sales team at Orem from what I saw. How would you describe the culture room around self-sourcing and what is the AE's responsibility in self-sourcing pipeline? Like what's the culture like at, at Orm? Cause I think it's a good place to start. Yeah. I mean, culturally, because we're an organization that was built by SDRs, right. For SDRs, like pipeline generation is, is pretty key. Uh, it's pretty baked into, you know, the culture over here. So if you look at like Jason, our CEO, he was an SDR at RightScale. He built out that entire inside sales team at Rubrik. Colin was an SDR VP of sales before he became, before he left Namely as uh, as the VP of sales, he was an SDR at Namely, left as the VP of sales, right? So uh, big movements for him. Uh, and I've been an SDR, top SDR at RightScale uh, and, and, you know, really never lost the sales development methodologies because I kept doing startups, you know, some failed, yeah. some were successful, some exited early, Um and so yeah, I'd always be doing that, right? Uh, even from the beginning. So I think culturally out of the gate, we you know always at a leadership level uh, understood how important pipeline was and how important sales development was. Uh, and that if you're really a top AE, uh, you should be self-sourcing a significant amount of your pipeline and that you shouldn't always rely you know, on marketing uh, to generate that. So the people we hire, right? We like to hire people. Our AEs are typically previous SDR managers, or SD, top SDRs uh, that became top AEs. So uh, we, we love to make sure that you know, people have that accountability to that aspect. So yeah, culturally, it's it's pretty baked in. Yeah, and it's it sounds like a big part of it is looking for that outbound muscle already being sort of in shape for, with that person when we bring them in. Um, so as we get into rep-specific things, uh, let us know in the chat, is your organization prioritizing outbound kind of for the first time. So in other words, you were primarily inbound sales-led motion where maybe 90% of the sales at your organization, 80% were coming inbound. And this year has been a serious year of outbound growth for you. Let us know in the chat. Does that fit the description of your organization? Because I'm seeing that a lot right now. Yeah, so a lot of pivoting to outbound. So before we get into some of the more tactics here, Terry, I'm assuming you may not deal with this directly or with the reps, but maybe in the customers that you've spoken with and what you're seeing in the marketplace, what do you suggest for an account executive who hasn't really had to do outbound a lot? Like how do they make this a muscle? And then we'll kind of dig into all the tactics and stuff like that. But what's a, a way for someone to get started who's generally hasn't had to do a lot of it to hit their target? So there's, there's two areas. Uh, first, if you have an SDR team and there's any sort of outbound going on uh, or a rep has been successful there, shadow them. 
you know, I would not even go out of it uh, on my own initially because they've already figured out all the kinks. You know, they figured out that, you know, this specific field doesn't sync over. So, you know, they created a process around that. Um, you know, they figured out that these titles, you know, answer the phone or are better, uh, better off in an email only sequence. Uh, if you haven't been going outbound, you might think, hey, you know, like the titles that I'm going after, there's an equal uh, equal distribution of reply rates or messaging. So if you already have anyone that's going outbound, they're successful, like model their behavior and then build off that. No need to reinvent the wheel. If you haven't gone you know, outbound before, uh, that's where you need to first set down, like what is your ICP criteria? So ICP, ideal customer profile. And then what is the criteria that you should go after? Uh, it's easy. I've seen this happen at orgs that are you know transferring over. They're like, well, you know, it's a blue ocean. They just go to Zoom Info, they download a bunch of accounts, and they get going. Um, and that you know never really leads to as much uh, a better outcome compared to you know looking at lookalikes, right? So we can probably pause there because I think there's a lot that we can go into there. But actually defining what that criteria is, who your ICP is, based off the customers that you sold to and you've had success. Uh, and then starting there, right? And then, you know, we can dive into a little bit more about uh, those frameworks. You know what I find really funny is it's usually SDR shadowing AE so they can learn more. But what I just heard from you is that, hey, if you're an account executive that hasn't done a lot of outbound and you have good SDRs, it might be time for you to learn from the SDR, <laughs> which, I, which I find kind of funny because we always talk about the opposite so much. So shadowing top performers, emulating past successes. I mean, this is like not only in sales, but just a sound business principle, right? So look at where we've had the most success. So let's talk about ICP and persona. One of the best pieces of advice I've gotten is from a, a friend, Dan Strauss. He used to be a top seller at Zoom Info and Chorus uh, AI, uh, enterprise and strat seller there. And one thing he always told me was, you know what? You don't want your sales funnel to look like a funnel. You want it to look more like a martini glass. So in other words, like prioritize that top of the funnel and figure out who are you going to go deep with? And effort is like, it's so much effort to do outbound as everyone here knows. Choosing where you decide to exert that effort is just as important as like what you say on the phone when you get someone live. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So ICP persona, prioritizing and selecting, how do you kind of think about this piece as an account executive? Yeah, and I think that this is where you can go a little bit too wide. And it's always important to go narrow first and then increase width as you, you know, increase your account capacity and or you don't have enough accounts that fit that criteria. So for example, if like I, I self-source, you know, as well, right? I've been taking on, you know, like some AE responsibilities, seeing how you know the team is operating there, even with you know a VP title. And I look for accounts, for example, that match our closed one, right? The ones that one that had the shortest sales cycle, uh, the ones that closed at the highest ACV, like those are the initial ones. I'm like, all right, like find me 10 accounts that look like that. Maybe they're in within 10 to 20% of the same employee range. Uh, they're in the same industries. They're leveraging the same technical stack data, maybe their same intent data. Uh, and I'm looking at that first. And when I first did that, uh, I didn't find a ton of accounts. It wasn't like, oh my God, this is a gold mine. It was like 50 yeah. accounts. Yeah. But those were 50 really solid accounts, right? Uh, and breaking into those accounts had really high conversion, really high conversion to meeting, really high conversion to trial, really high conversion uh, to, to, of course, close. But it wasn't a significant amount of accounts. So you start off with like 50, you start off with like 
you know, 50 accounts and you quickly narrow down the five that could become closed one. Um, and then you expand from there. So, you know, what that means is that after you've looked at those really hot accounts, you go to the next layer. For example, let's say they made it to a trial. Let's say your org does trials today. If they made it to a trial and you qualify them that they're okay to run forward with a trial, you know, at that stage, they're pretty qualified, right? They've already moved past the initial qualification phase. They've already met with you and SDR has already booked a meeting. So uh, that might be a wider funnel. Now they might not have moved forward with the trial at that time. They may have failed on the trial. Maybe they went through the trial they didn't buy, right? There's a ton of reasons why, you know, people might've dropped off halfway through, but that's another layer, right? That you would look at and then you would apply the same sort of filter logic. So if you're not getting enough accounts, you might increase that filter logic. You might say, okay, you know, I'm looking for companies that are anywhere between 500 to 1,000 employees. I'm only getting 70 accounts, but I need 170. You know, maybe what I'll do is I'm going to look at accounts that are 200 employees upwards to 1,500, right? This is just a simple example, um, but that's how you can play around with lookalike data and different criteria of what is qualified in order to build a better sourcing funnel of accounts. So a couple of questions there. By the way, I think this is the game. The self-sourcing game is all about this, like teeing yourself up and cherry picking and saying, you know what, I'm not going to play slot machine sales here and go where my outcomes are, you know, 0.5% chance of success versus, hey, I have like a really good likelihood if I get someone on the phone based on I've worked with these exact customers, like there's a very high percentage chance that I'm going to get a meeting and get an op out of this. So this might sound kind of obvious to you, but just for the rest of the people, because I get a lot of pushback when I work with organizations and I'm like industry specialization. And the pushback I get is like, well, we work with, we're industry agnostic. We work with all kinds of industries. The use case is the same, but why would you look at industry as a way to filter versus just saying, you know what, like they all have a, in your case, they all have account executives and SDRs that can use our platform. Like we could just reach out to every industry. Why the specialization in industry? Why is that one of the filters? Yeah. And it's a, I was literally just talking to another company about this uh, that was looking into pilot Orem where they're like, we're Greenfield. Like every company is qualified. And yeah. I said, well, if you look at the last 10 closed ones, they're like, well, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's, it's, an, it's specifically, you know, everyone that is in this industry, which is like more healthcare focused. Uh, and so you, you definitely need to look at, you know, industry if you can. Now there are some companies where it's, it is truly agnostic. Maybe you're a very cheap ATS and all they need to do is have a job posting. Like in some cases, you know, you, that can occur, but you're still going to figure out where you have the biggest impact because not every, not all accounts and softwares are created the same. So for example, if you're a, a company like Lever or Greenhouse in the early days as an ATS, like you were targeting B2B SaaS because you were a premium product. You weren't like a $5 a user a month you know, thing on, uh, uh, on an ATS. You had, you had a higher ACV. So you needed to reach out to accounts that not only were bringing in more money and had higher, uh, you know, higher profits, but also that they were hiring for more technical talent, for higher talent, right? Where your software is a better fit at closing that talent, right? So I think that looking at industry is very important. If I was to think about Orem, for example, you know, there are teams that have massive SDR teams, massive AE teams where, you know, they dial all day with Orem, or they dial all day without Orem, right? They, they make yep. manual dials, but maybe they're calling into hospital lines, 
maybe they're calling into uh, like uh, the front desk of a law office where that's the only number they have. I mean, their, their pickup rates close to a hundred percent, you know, no, yeah. no dialer in the world automation wise would be a fit for them until they had direct dial data. So I might segment that industry off until I figure out, you know, a better way to provide direct dials for them, which, yeah. you know, again, that's an industry that historically lacks, you know, great data coverage. Yeah. So I think I love that. Another way of thinking of this is how do people, our prospects typically hang out with people like them? And it's usually by industry. Like healthcare, there's specific events that people in healthcare go to to learn about healthcare trends. They aren't going to the same events that software companies, let's say, if they're not playing in software, they aren't going to a SaaS event. You know, they're looking to hang out at a place where there are chief nursing officers, chief medical officers, like those people that really care about it in healthcare. And then they have, to your point, specific values in those industries. So I think the first one is like really do that exercise of, my closed one business and where my pipeline is strongest, what are the top two or three industries? And if you sell anything above, in my experience, 50,000 bucks ARR, like it really helps to go by industry and then to approach each industry in segments. Another thing that you talk about too, you mentioned in our prep call, I thought was really interesting was you said, focus on where you have the most conviction. And this being kind of an underrated thing to think about, can you share more about that? Yeah, so... You know, I love to think that sales is a science uh, and uh, I spent a lot of my own personal time, you know, beating the drum on RevOps and scientific processes and sales. I mean, I would love to get, you know, my sales process down to a science where uh, everything is automated and I don't even need to think. But a certain point is also uh, partly art, right? You have yeah. to have conviction on what you know, you know, works and, uh, and and what does it? And not everything can be boiled down to titles, persona, and ICP. If you have a really good sense based on the people that you're talking to and the industries that you're speaking to, uh, you'll start to develop, you know, what you what I would consider like conviction that this is the industry that I want to go after, and that this is the the types of people that I want to speak to. And sometimes that runs head to head. When we'll get into organization specific and tech stack, uh, sometimes you run head to head against you know, other people that don't have that conviction. Um, yep. And there's a lack of alignment. You'll see this on AE and SDR teams. The SDRs will book a meeting with an account that maybe it's not the best industry. Maybe they don't have the best uh, like qualifications, like barely meets that criteria. And you as an AE is like, this isn't going to close, you know, and it's not yeah. the fault of the SDR. They're being guided by, you know, whatever frameworks have been set up, but you have conviction that, you know, Hey, I've been running, I've ran a 200 deals so far. Like these deals don't yeah. go anywhere because it's the either the person, their process, and or company or industry. So you do you develop your own conviction of, hey, this is a hot account and this isn't. I will say though, when you develop that conviction, your goal, both as an AE, but also as a team member, is to start deciphering how can I make that objective, right? How can I leverage that objectively with the data that I have on those accounts? Uh, and if that data doesn't exist, how do I partner with RevOps or the rest of the team so that I can get that data in so that it is objective, right? Because if it's just a subjective conviction, um, you know, eventually, right, that's not scalable. Yeah. So I think uh takeaway there is thinking about, is there a specific industry maybe that you feel very confident in based on your personal experience or knowledge? Um, I think 
taken the momentum from a recently closed deal and being like, hey, I just closed a deal or we're about to close a deal with this type of prospect. Let me go find their competitors. Let me go find other people like them and like, you know, ride that sales roller coaster, the good part of the sales roller coaster. Um, okay, so that kind of wraps up the first part. So again, we're in the rep specific. I mention one thing too, because okay. I think it's a really good uh, call out is this didn't exist even like a few years ago, right? Now, if you want to, you can go in and type in top 10 competitors to X company and you have G2, CB Insights. You have a ton of companies that are literally tracking who the competitors are and yep. telling you exactly who they are, right? And, and giving you links to that, that website. Back in the day, it was going into Zoom Info and trying your best to look for competitors. Now you can do that in a, in a simple Google search. Or ChatGPT probably could uh, could help you find it. Too. I could do it too. <laughs> okay, so we got the prioritize and select piece. So account selection and choosing who you're going to go after, super important. So if we kind of move to the next part around how do we sort of commit and execute around this? What are the more kind of tactical things if we start kind of high level not that it needs to be perfectly prescriptive, but what's the general strategy? If I'm an account executive, how do I want to think about how outbound fits into my week? How do I prioritize it? Calendar block it? How much time generally should I think about spending on this? Like, how do you guys think about that? Yeah, in general, at ba at a bare minimum, uh, on average, you know, our AEs are prospecting for about an hour a day, and they're also dialing for about an hour a day. Now, from a dialing perspective, right, like Orm's a virtual sales floor. So we're all dialing together one hour a day across, you know, the different teams. Uh, and so like, that's just built in culturally that we're all dialing. Um, so that's, uh, that's just part of the day. Uh, even if they weren't prospecting much, you know, they're on Orm, they're dialing at that time. So we can learn with each other and celebrate wins. But the sourcing itself is blocked off by typically an hour. So most AEs will block off that time on their calendar, right? It's sacred time. They block around it. Uh, they make sure that, that that nothing really interferes with that. Otherwise, their pipeline will take a hit, right? It's a consistent thing. Now, there are days, right, where as an AE, you are not going to have enough time to prospect. You might have a ton of meetings, internal and external. And, you know, that sacred time, unfortunately, you know, gets sacrificed at the altar. And you have to figure out where to pick that up. Um, and in some cases, you know, people are not going to hear this, but in the times of easy money, it was it was easy not to have to prospect as much. Marketing had huge budgets and your customers had huge budgets. So inbound was plentiful and uh, it wasn't drying up like it is now where people are really huddled on trying to survive and make sure their runway is long enough, things like that. Uh, you know, you might need to hustle a little bit more. And I, I know I hate that word, but you know, I'm sometimes working on Sundays to catch up, right? I'm working late on certain days to make sure I get my prospecting in. So first you do have to commit to that, right? It, just like an SDR commits to their KPIs on a daily or weekly basis, you know, for the first time for a lot of AEs, like you're going to have to commit to, you know, either KPIs or your own internal set of metrics to ensure that happens. So I think first off, that's the, that's the ideal, at least for Orem. And again, it's going to change based on your, on your calendar. If you're not, if you have, if you have days with no meetings, you should be prospecting and calling a lot. Yeah. Right? There's nothing like, else to do. Yeah, you should be at, and again, there's prospecting yeah. is a lot of things. It's it's uh, finding connections to those that you closed, right? Asking yeah. for referrals. It's doing those lookalikes. It's going through your network. It's anything that 
you know, is the most valuable level of prospecting for your industry and your, and your sort of sale. Um, but making sure that you always get those in. And if you're not, you are making it up, right? Because at the end of the day, uh, not everything's 100% automated. So, you know, there is going to be a certain amount of sweat equity that has to be put in. So to get this clear, there's essentially one hour when you say sourcing, prospecting, that's finding and prioritizing who I'm going to reach out to. So picking the accounts, picking the individuals, maybe doing the research, putting them into a cadence, that sort of thing. And the calling is like, that's just 100% blitzing through a list that I've already created for myself. I've already chosen who I'm going to reach out to, that kind of thing. Is that sort of generally? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll clarify on the sourcing aspect. This is where when it comes to if there's leaders on the phone, uh, on the webinar, right, right now, listening in, like working with your AEs and SDRs to automate a lot of those processes. So to make it much easier to source for those accounts and or automatically score and distribute accounts based on activity and triggers. So, you know, we use gradient works here. We've met, we've mapped that with things like LinkedIn sales insights, which is not sales navigator uh, and zoom info. And so we're putting in tons of ICP data, right. Uh, and, and triggers, and that helps score accounts that then we can send out to AEs. So AEs can just wake up every week with a certain amount of accounts that they need to prospect into or throw back if they don't feel they're qualified. On top of that, that ICP data exists within Salesforce in general. So I don't even need to wait for gradient works if I want to just go prospect accounts. So that one hour is typically spent finding those accounts and getting them into, uh, into ownership. And then if there's work to be done on prospecting and, and enriching, uh, that's done as well. But that's a, a secondary piece we can get to later on in the conversation because sourcing is not just finding the accounts, like sell sourcing like opportunities. It's also all that intricate work that goes into it, right? And making sure that you do your best to automate what you can and, and communicate what should be automated. So let's dig into this part just a bit. And uh, I'm seeing some good questions in the in the chat. Drop them into the Q&A if you can. So Josh Foster, I think we answered your question there. Um, this sourcing piece, uh, a principle I think that's very good from a productivity standpoint to to do, especially as an AE, is this, you know, task batching, breaking up the task of outbound into multiple parts. And the analogy I always use is like meal prep and, and grocery and eating. A lot of times the way we go about a task is if we eat three meals a day, seven days a week, you wouldn't grocery shop every single time you need to eat and then cook every single time you need to eat. And they eat. It sounds ridiculous, yet that's oftentimes how we approach prospecting. I got to reach out to Terry. Okay. Let me do some research on Terry. Let me write the email. Let me make the call. Okay, let's move to the next person. Research prospect, write the email, make the call. So we're breaking apart the task into chunks. So that sourcing piece, how, like that hour per day, let's say, are there any themes around, hey, I'm doing account and contact selection. Am I doing that as like one kind of task? And then am I researching it later? Or am I doing that kind of all together? Do I put them into sequences at the same time? Like what's kind of general best practice that you would recommend around how to split apart the different pieces and how to think about it in terms of buckets? So there's different ways to approach this. I mean, in general, um, we do go account by account, but then we batch that work within that account. So I'll give you an example. I chose an account that I want to go after. Now, now I'm going to prospect that account. Right. I'm going to go to LinkedIn or use whatever tools. I'm going to add in all my prospects. Right. Uh, and then I'm going to go ahead and write a 
you know, I'm going to do my research on that account. Uh, and usually the research is done ahead of time, right? Uh, because you might disqualify them before you even prospect. But let's say qualified, I write that research down. For example, we write that research down into a specific field, which is essentially the first one or three sentences of our email. And now that is going to be my personalized email across everyone at an account-based level. Yeah. So I might personalize to them if I need to, but if I found enough account-specific pain, then I'm going to leverage that as my as as an indicator that I've done my research and I'm trying to earn the meeting. So then now I can just sequence everyone, right? Now, as I'm sequencing each person, LinkedIn isn't automated, at least in outreach today, right? So I might go to their LinkedIn profile, send a connect request, and then throw them right into the first email, right? Uh, which again, I might review a little bit. It's already been written. At that moment, I'm on LinkedIn. That's when I might look at, you know, other numbers that I wasn't able to get in, either because of a lack of automation um, or usually sometimes the APIs, right? So, you know, Zoom Info, third-party data, for example, doesn't automatically port over. So if it's a mobile number, you might need to copy and paste. So I'm like, you're batching that in on an account basis. That's what we've seen work. And that's what we do. There is other options. You could say, hey, these are all my accounts. I'm going to prospect for each account, just knock out prospecting, like enrich every single one, and then go again and say, all right, I'm sequencing one account at a time or you're mass sequencing, right? It depends. Some people can get away with that because their ICPs are larger and they don't need to be as strategic. If you're a strategic shop like us, you might be personalizing your first email and looking at account notes which actually is a separate topic that I probably should touch on, but I'll, I'll give it a breather for a second because that's also something that can really hold you back in terms of getting that activity out. Yeah. So I think the big takeaway here though is that you need to, if you need to do outbound right now and you need pipeline, this this has got to be at least an hour and a half to two hours every day. Expect this to be a quarter of the time that you spend like working should be focused on this if you need pipeline right now at a minimum. And I hate that, you know, a lot of, cause I always rec, I'm very prescriptive with the amount of time people are like, well, it depends on, yeah, it does. But if you're not doing this, you have to have the time blocks on the calendar. There's just no way around it. And I like that this is a daily habit. It's a daily ritual. So it sounds like one of the ways for enterprise and strat would be account by account. So once I have my account selected, I'm just going to spend time in that account, figure out who I need to reach out to, queue up the sequences to go out and get that done account by account. And then I'm separating that from my call blocks, which my call block is going to be one hour. I'm going to blitz through accounts that I've already laid out uh, email messaging and you know that kind of stuff for. Um, let's move to the organization specific stuff because I think that's where you're going Terry yeah. with this next piece yeah let's let's move so that's kind of the as a rep what I can do the organization specific stuff this is going to apply to reps also but more you sales leaders on the call this is stuff that you can facilitate across your team yeah so it'll kind of have dual purposes here so where were you going with the organization specific stuff yeah and I see some questions I think this is a, a great way to address some of those questions too so you know organization specific, does also mean you as an AE, as an SDR, you are also beholden to following some of these best practices. So I'll give you an example. Um, most of the companies I speak to, and I mean most, well over 95%, uh, I want to say 99%, but it's, it's damn near close to like only on my handful in my entire five years have I seen this, is they have no account-based field for notes. They don't have an account notes field specific in Salesforce that has 
all the links to the closed one note, one loss or notes, right? Links to any outbound emails or calls where a valuable piece of information or conversation happened. So in most cases, when SDR or AE, you source your first account, you spend 10 to 15 minutes figuring out what the hell happened. What happened in this account? Did they ever meet with us? Who did they meet with? What happened? Was it a good demo, a bad demo? Does it disqualified? Why was it disqualified? It's just closed loss. There's no notes, right? Um, like, who did we speak with? Oh, we spoke with five people at the account in the last six months. Where are the call notes? No call notes. Okay, no. so now I have to go listen to each recording. You know, that, that's the that's the organizational aspect uh, that is in incredibly painful that most orgs just do not nail down, right? If you look at Orem, if I go to an account notes field, I have all that information in one centralized view. I know exactly who we spoke to, what happened, if there's any demos that occurred, what was the out outcome of those closed loss opportunities? And I don't even need to prepare for any calls. That's just when I get connected, I just look at that and I bring up, hey, we spoke with Jason Bay three months ago. You mentioned you guys were on outreach moving to sales loft. Looks like you took a demo a year ago too, but the timing was off. And I want to see if it made sense to reconnect on this priority, right? So that's the, like, that requires AEs and SDRs to put in the notes, but it also requires that ops and leadership denotes that this is the best practice, right? And that you're creating this, that you're creating this opportunity for them to put it down because they could be putting the notes in today, but it's all in a black hole. So um, that's what I was kind of going with that. And if you're going outbound for the first time, you know, this is your opportunity to set the right best practices. Yeah, set it right from the top. I I cannot stress so many of the reps that I work with individually. <laughs> when they go to re-engage a closed lost op, there's just like nothing to work with. So they're just crossing their fingers, hoping that there's a gong recording or something in there. And <laughs> it's like the amount of work, like if you scale the amount of work it takes to go through this stuff across your entire entire organization, it's like literally hundreds or thousands of hours that your highest paid salespeople are exerting on doing like work that could have been prevented, like really low level work that could have been prevented by just having a field where I can touch it once. That's the principle here is like, we don't have to do extra work every time we engage an account. We can build off of what happened before and we're starting from scratch every time. Yeah, and it could be oh, one field or it could be a few fields. The point is like, do you have fields and organizationally, is everyone aligned that these fields should be filled out with the appropriate information based on any interactions uh, and that you know everyone's doing their part to keep those updated? Because it takes, once you've had those notes and you're doing, it does take only a few seconds to get that in if it's written down somewhere. So uh, it's just making sure that that, you know, occurs. And RevOps, again, has a role to place here, right? Leadership does, because you could automate that. There's ways to automate, you know, segmenting activity out of Salesforce in the specific fields so that you don't have to go play Sherlock Holmes every single time that you get an opportunity. So, um, yeah, that's uh, I would say that's one of the, the first things when you're sourcing is what the heck happened in this account? Can I go after it? Right. Like that's yeah. that takes on takes more time than actually sourcing the account in the first place. Yep. Let's talk about the power hours. So I call them get shit done sessions. This is like, if a company is not implementing this every time I've been able to get them to do it, they, they get immediate results from it. The pushback that I get this is what I want to talk about first is implementing something like this. So what I heard from you before is that this is something that every AE at Orem does. Like we have these call blocks that people come on and they use Orem's sales floor 
which is awesome, by the way, where it's, we can hop on a virtual setting here and it's got virtual cubicles, essentially, where you can see what's going on, but it's not like a Zoom call where there's just chaos if everyone has themselves off of mute, right? So it's a, a way to essentially replicate a virtual sales floor. The pushback again is, oh, well, our AEs are experienced. They wouldn't hop on a call to do this. Like that, that feels like micromanaging. All of that kind of stuff is usually what I hear. Hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? Like from a culture perspective, like building buy-in around why we would do this in a structured group workout, so to speak, versus just relying on people to do it on their own. Well, I mean, when it comes specifically to dialing, right? Like, and again, I think you should do this for prospecting if you can too. If you're doing this specifically for dialing, like dialing together is the best way to learn, right? And, um, you know, one of the things that when we run pilots or we look at our customers, AEs traditionally have a much higher conversion rate over the phone than SDRs. And especially if, you know, if they haven't like, if they shake off the rust, uh, they have much higher rates of disqualifying as well. So like, but overall their efficiencies are significantly higher. And that's to be expected. If you're an AE and your efficiency is lower than that of an SDR, like you have some work to do. But if you're, but in general, we've seen that much higher efficiency. So if you're an SDR and you're dialing alongside your AE, right? It's a way for them to learn, you know, how the AE is pitching and how the AE is also talking to some of the titles that uh, the SDR might not be experienced in, right? So when I call, I actually call CEOs directly. I know they're, they're not the SDR, but I know they want to talk about reducing, you know, customer acquisition costs. I know they want to talk about burn rate. Like these are things that the SDR manager uh, could care less about because they're cared about hitting their quota. So knowing who you're speaking to and seeing how an AE handles it versus an SDR is key. But also I think there's a, an area of culture that people don't, don't talk about. If you're alone while you're doing this all the time, you're working from home, you get hung up on someone, they give you a tough objection or a bad phone call. Uh, it's pretty natural to just put down, <laughs> put it down and go <laughs> fresh, uh, you know, go outside and, you know, walk around with yeah. your hands back for a little bit, wondering if you chose the right profession. So, you know, <laughs> being able to actually dial along and say, hey, hey, I just had a bad call too, right? Let's just laugh about it. Uh, let's talk about how we could have done better. Let's get back to dialing. There's an aspect that's been lost if you don't have an actual sales floor. If you have a real sales floor, then dialing together is, is usually something you always do. And I think lastly, it shows that this process is not below anyone, right? Like if 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 there's a culture of hey, like prospecting or calling beneath me, but you're in you're in revenue, um, you know that's something that leadership should definitely sort out. Uh, and you can really see that you know when you do these call blitzes. To your point, you all see outcomes, and people are more excited to dial alongside each other. So that's dialing, and then there's also prospecting too. You know, we do prospecting blocks together. It's a little bit more silent because people are focused, but yeah. once questions come up like, Hey, actually I'm, I'm sequencing this account. And, you know, Terry, I saw that you actually, you have some activity here from like, uh, like two years ago. I, you know, like, do you, do you have a referral in here or, you know, I saw so-and-so is connected to so-and-so like maybe we can ask for a referral. Like who should I ping within in, in my company? So like prospecting too can be done within that framework. Uh, and we find that that makes it a lot less boring, but sometimes you cut, you, you find specific accounts where you don't even need to send an email. Like someone's friend works there, just text them right now, right? That, that, like these things actually happen when, uh, when you spend time with each other, so. Yeah, 
So if you're a rep listening to this and your company doesn't have this type of thing set up, organize it yourself. Get two or three other reps or get some reps on your team. Like you be the leader and take charge and get something like it going. And if you don't have ORM and you can't use Salesforce, I mean, a Zoom room is the next best thing. Yep. Getting people into a Zoom call, put yourselves on mute. I have a lot of success with my clients in doing that. So take charge, even if it's just you and an accountability buddy or a few people on your team, like do it, be religious about it. It's uh pays huge dividends. Um, okay, so we talked about account-based field notes. Let's talk about, this will kind of answer, Nathan McCullough had a question around, you know, what can an AE do to partner with marketing to ensure they're providing air cover on multiple accounts? I have a lot of opinions on that, but in general, Terry, when you think about partnering with either the SDR, if I'm an AE, or marketing, how do you think about kind of the collaboration between parties and doing that in a way where one plus one equals three versus oftentimes I see a one plus one situation that equals like 0.5 where <laughs> we become less efficient. Yeah. That's, uh, efficiency through the partnership versus gaining efficiency. Yeah. I think the first one that is you run into a lot of problems with is like the SDR AE partnership. And yep. the reason is not because they don't want to partner with each other, but that there's a, a hard distinction of duties. Like for example, if you're using outreach or sales law, like the, the SDR, SDR might sequence everyone and you can only have one person in sequence as a best practice. So now the AE can't sequence anyone, right? So I was actually talking to Kevin Dorsey about this because we were running this problem and I was like wondering, I was like, well, as an AE, I want to call the account too. And, you know, if the SDR is doing it, they'll get credit, right? We get to work together to break into the account. Um, and you mentioned go high, go low. So as AEs, if you're partnering with an SDR, you go high. You're the one calling the VPs. You're the one calling the CEO. You're the one calling the, the 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 bigger titles. And then, which has the highest conversion, right? You want to be the one speaking to them. And the SDRs can call the rest of the organization. And if the SDR is talking to people, again, you update that account notes field, you use that when you get connected. So if I'm talking to the VP, I can say, hey, you know, my SDR spoke to two of your managers and these are the pain points they brought up. You know, would love to show you guys how, you know, we could solve for that. So there is that partnership there, both on sequencing accounts, but also, you know, tackling the accounts directly. So that's one way that, you know, you could split that partnership. Uh, and the other thing too, is partnering on accounts, right? When you source those accounts, you know, partnering with the SDRs to direct which accounts they should go after, or maybe accounts that you want to take a loan so that they're not, you know, spending any wheels going after accounts that, uh, that you want to target specifically. I would also say that if we were switching over to marketing, especially for a lot of full cycle orgs, ISR orgs that uh, I speak to, I think the problem with the, the marketing funnel feedback is that uh, it, it goes both ways. So first, A, you know, marketing is sending you a ton of leads and a, a significant portion of the time, those leads don't get fully dispositioned. So what I mean is they send you 10 leads, you book meetings with maybe three of them. There's seven other ones. Uh, and then you maybe got two calls, two emails on them before you got the next set of inbound. So those call they, they never got fully dispositioned. They never got a full chance of conversion. So yeah. when you start moving towards like an outbound model from an inbound model, first thing you want to double check is, have I crushed inbound? Most organizations yeah. have not put the photomont touches on their inbound yet. And if the, if marketing, if you're, if you're doing good with certain ones, you know, letting marketing know that you want more of that. Now, marketing can look at opportunities. And again, they can look at ICP data, um, but there's also specific information 
that you might be gathering from those conversations that isn't, again, an objective field. It might be the pain points they're after, the tech stack they're using, right? The number of people that they have on their sales team. If there's things like that, that indicate to you a really qualified opportunity or qualified lead, how is that information that you're getting from your conversations with that prospect becoming an objective piece of account data so that leadership, both RevOps and marketing can leverage that to drive more of those leads. That is broken, that has taken, that took, again, took significant time for us to fix. Uh, and we were focused on it, right? So I, I know that a lot of organizations where uh, that feedback loop is either non-existent or uh, is essentially crammed. I love this. I mean, one of the ways to, like, if you want to be marketing's favorite sales rep and get prioritized around like leads or just around people listening to your feedback is to provide feedback. So like when you, like the thing that gets lost, I think with conversational intelligence tools is marketing is starving for pointers on how to sharpen up their messaging. And you remember marketing for the most part, the entire marketing department, very few of those people actually speak with prospects on a regular basis. Salespeople are the tip of the spear. So conveying back, hey, by the way, Terry, I thought I'd send this over. I just did a call with this lead. It was a good one. But the specific thing they said that they were having challenges with was this. Here's the specific language that I heard. Thought that'd be helpful. And you drop it into your account notes or whatever. Like relaying that information back to marketing will only make their copy better. Um, I love the idea, you know, run the full sequence too. Like give it, give it a chance. It's really easy to do when you are overloaded with leads to just kind of skim through them versus like really going deep. Um, real quick to backtrack, SDR and AE partnership, this concept of go high, go low, that's the one I see work best where you are partnering on the same account and the SDR is doing a lot of the heavy lifting of like the research and doing the bottoms up approach. And then you go high for, okay. Okay, so let's answer James Burnett's question in the chat. He said, my biggest problem, overworked SDRs covering too many AEs, sending out junk activity to hit their KPIs. The SDR piece, let's say that I'm an organization that has one SDR supporting three to four account executives, which I see a lot. Mm -hmm. How do you suggest on the SDR side and they think about how to split their time. Cause the biggest challenge that I hear from SDRs and a lot of AEs, you AEs out there, I love you, but we often create a lot of work and make the SDRs life really hard. Um, <laughs> how do you recommend that you think about the split? If there's three or four AEs per SDR, everyone wants them to call into their accounts. How have you seen that kind of work out in terms of if I'm an SDR, how I juggle that, if I'm an account executive, what are reasonable expectations, that kind of thing? Yeah. So for example, you know, our SDRs here will have a certain amount of accounts across a certain amount of AEs, right? And we're, you know, we have certain limits, right? Hey, like, you know, you already hit 50 on this, on, on this AE, like you must, you know, put one back in the account pool before you can grab another one just to make sure that they're working like an equal amount of accounts per AE. So again, there's a lot of RevOps and organizational changes that should be you know, really implemented to make sure that that's smooth. I think one of the problems that I see with you know overworked SDRs that are covering too many AEs to Dan's point uh, that are trying to hit their KPIs is first off, like how are KPIs backed into revenue? 
if you were actually to look at KPIs and back them into revenue, what ends up happening is if, if you are doing that, you'll notice that in, in general, if everyone needs to hit that KPI, but they're throwing out junk, that only increases the KPIs again. So like, for example, I'll, I'll talk about a customer I was, I was working with uh, before Orem. They're making a crap ton of dials, like 150 dials a day manually, which to me, I thought was impossible. Uh, it's cause most, yeah, because most of the dials are actually fake. They gave them a hundred dial yeah. KPI, but they gave them no infrastructure, no tech tools. So they're just faking dials. So guess what? When they did KPI reviews, they realized, oh, well, it takes 150 dials to actually hit KPIs because everyone's been faking their activity. So by faking activity, the SDRs created more activity for themselves. And then they yeah. were the ones to blame versus how did you back in the original KPIs into revenue? So that's uh, that's definitely an area that you want to double check. And I always go with the, the SDRs that you know, that you trust, that you know are actually doing really good activity because they might not be hitting their KPIs, but they're still hitting their goal. Those that don't hit their KPIs, but still hit their goal, that's the person you want to focus on and seeing how you can replicate that. And if they're able to then hit the normal KPIs with their, their current process, they're blowing it out of the water, right? So KPIs are for those people who aren't hitting their numbers. It's not for those that are. So I think there's a, a KPI thing that needs to also be institutionalized. I think with the covering the AEs, again, there's a, a few things here and there's not a lot of time to cover this, but I'll go over it really quickly. So first off, if your AEs are self-sourcing 30 to 50% of their own pipeline, you won't need that many SDRs and the SDRs don't need to be overworked. So the question is, you know, for these AEs, like how much of the pipeline are they generating themselves? If they're, if they're not getting enough coverage and the SDRs are really overworked, like what are they doing to generate their own pipeline before, you know, before, you know, like trying to crack the whip on the SDR. Um, I'd also say that if the SDRs are overworked, most companies don't do this. When's the last time that you sat down, watched the SDR and built a map of every click and every system that they have to use in order to generate an activity, right? How many clicks does it take for them to add someone to a sequence across how many systems? Have you actually sat down and done a BPM map, right? Um, I used to literally sell, uh, we used to have a service here at Orem where we would BPM map people's systems because it just, it was mind blowing how it, they could take six hours to add 15 prospects in, right? It doesn't make yeah. any sense, but you go through it and it was like, oh my God, there's so many things that you need to do just to get a person into sequence. So if they're overworked, BPM map it, work with RevOps, guarantee you close to half their work could be automated. You just haven't done it yet. And be frank, most people haven't because tech stacks are moving so fast. There's new capabilities every day. Everyone's constantly behind, right? Um, and then, uh, yeah, I'd say I, I would say that those are probably the, the two biggest reasons that I see you know, SDR is burning out. And then the last one I'll say for AEs is you need to actually start fighting for those opportunities more when you get them. I have an opportunity that got sent to me where it was literally an SDR was on the opportunity, which is, you know, if I'm talking to an SDR, no power, right? All these other things. I work with that SDR to do a free trial, ran that with the SDR for two weeks. Then I finally got the meeting with the SDR manager based on how the SDR did. In general, if this was if this was a year ago, times of good and lots of inbound, I would just DQ. You know, hey, yeah. getting the SDR manager is not worth it for me to to talk to the SDR, right? Uh, now it's like, I'll I'll take I can I can turn this into an opportunity. So 
you're going to have to get a little bit more creative. And that is, that is due to scarcity. If there was no scarcity in general, you wouldn't waste your time, right? You would go for the opportunities that close most, but if you are, if opportunities are scarce, you might need to get creative. I love, love the idea of the clip map. And it's like, I think one of the exercises you can do as a leader too is especially you VPs out there is when's the last time you just for a day tried to be a rep or for three or four hours tried to be a rep and like actually use the systems and the process. Right. And you find so many opportunities there where, Hey, if it's hard for you to piece together how an SDR like workflow works, like how, how do you think it's going to feel for the SDR? And again, to your point around the workflow, workflow is such an important thing to, to really think about and map out. Um, okay, we got a couple of minutes left. I want to make sure we don't skip on the tech stack part. We've already kind of talked about getting bogged down with manual processes, but how should we be thinking about AE self-sourcing through the lens of our tech stack? What are some pointers there? Yeah, so as an AE, right, when you're self-sourcing, um, the, the tech stack is going to be super important. So we already talked about, you know, some of the tech stack tactics from, you know, creating different reports based on certain ICP fields, like that comes from your tech stack, right? Is it coming from Zoom Info, LinkedIn? Like, where is that data coming from? Is it flowing in? Are you using that data, right? Um, and then the other thing too, is making sure that you're leveraging all the available databases and technology to your, uh, you know, uh, uh, to your benefit. So for example, if let's say you have more than one database provider, you know, you might only be using one number from Zoom Info when you actually might have three or four other mobile numbers. So yeah. how are you getting that information in? It might be copy and paste. I know it's annoying, but you might need to do that in the beginning until RevOps you know, formalizes and gets that automated for you. So part of that is making sure that you're using all that automation. Um, I'll talk about one that I see on my, on, my, on my end. Sometimes I'll talk to someone on the phone, book a meeting or send them an email, they book a meeting. Um, and for some reason they haven't accepted the calendar invite. And you know that there's a significant chance that they're not showing up because they haven't even accepted it. So yeah. a, a, a process, a AE self-sourcing opportunities is not just getting the opportunity, it's making sure the opportunity shows up, making sure the opportunity converts. So either A, I could set a reminder to bump them every single day, hey, accept the calendar invite, et cetera. Or I can create a sequence in outreach, sales off, whatever I'm using, and put them in that, have an accepted calendar invite, you know, boom. So you need to think about how can I use the tech stack to automate a significant portion of my day and or notify me when certain things in my self-sourcing pipeline are falling through the cracks so that, you know, I'm not missing those crucial areas where I've already done a significant amount of work and now I'm at the one yard line and things are falling down. So again, tech stack is, there's a lot that we can go into and we have, there's only five minutes left, but if you're an AE going outbound for the first time, or an AE that historically hasn't uh, hasn't been touching in uh, outbound for a while. In either cases, you're probably rusty, right? Like the SDRs, they're living out of these systems every single day. You've probably been living out of you know your pipeline, your forecast, Salesforce, opportunity level notes, right? Gong. It's going to be a it is going to be important that you refresh yourself and realize that the automation now is so much stronger than it was even two years ago. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff I've seen too with chat GPT and sort of leveraging that API to do a lot of that automation as well. 
oh, it yeah. gets pretty tricky where you got to use like Airtable or some sort of other spreadsheet type of stuff. But there's all kinds of things being built right now that will scrape four or five different data sources that you have accounts for and add them into contact fields. But uh, let's let's end with that. Actually, is there anything that you guys are using ChatGPT for, or or any other kind of AI for? I mean, I I know that some of this is kind of being built into Orem, but just as a sales team, are you guys using ChatGPT or AI or any of that kind of stuff for anything? Yeah, I mean, there's a, and there's a few vendors too. Like uh, in our own platform, right? Once you have a call, like the AI is taking all the notes for you and summarizing that. So like, there's AI note taking within the platform. Um, but for example, like. We have Gong and we integrate that with uh, a product called Glean, G-L-E-A-N-E. And Glean is, it, it's it's magic at a certain level. But uh, for example, I can say, hey, here's my Gong recording. Uh, can you write me a 150 word you know, summary of, of the meeting? And can you put it in the form of Medic? And then just hit enter and it just does all that, right? So just copy that over to Medic and send the email. So uh, there, there's things like that. Right. Uh, that, you know, ideally, like these different products are going to be, you know, using. Uh, and I've seen Chappie GBT leverage more and more and more. Uh, Avoma, for example, is a, a competitor to Gong. We use it actually on the CS side uh, where it's just automatically, you know, condensing all those notes. Right. So I'll have to do that. So and I'll, lastly, I'll say things like Lead IQ Scribe, et cetera. There's a ton of uh, Reggie. There's a ton of companies out there that are aiming to automate the first email which takes yep. a significant amount of time. And uh, ChatGBT does a pretty damn good job at, at personalizing if you put the right inputs in. Yeah. Dude, I think that's a good place to end it, man. I appreciate you coming on. This has been great. Definitely recommend checking out Orum. I dropped into the chat. Connect with Terry. Let's blow his LinkedIn up. Send him a connection request. <laughs> yeah, if you had any questions that we didn't answer uh, because we either ran out of time or didn't have time to address it, you know, definitely shoot me a message. I'll do my best to uh, to respond and, and answer any questions you had. Love it, dude. So I think AE self-sourcing, we gave you some specific tips. If you're a rep that you can implement things that you can implement across your organization. I think the power hours is probably one of the lower left things that you can literally start doing, pick an hour a week, two, one hour blocks, maybe start doing that. You're going to see a huge lift with that. So, but thank you everyone. Thank you, Terry. It's been good hanging yeah. out with you. Man. Thanks everyone. And, Thanks uh, for having me. We'll see you later, everyone. Have a good one.